With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Any good stories from the road? I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Howdy. Y'all, the uh, the last time Georgia had a home night game, Jermaine Burton was a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, A.D. Mitchell was a Georgia Bulldog. The dogs were yet to win one of their back-to-back national championship games. And uh, Shane Beamer got a welcoming to the SEC that I don't think he'll forget. But today, the dogs learned they'll get that night game. That highly coveted night game between the hedges against that highly coveted opponent that everyone (laughs) wants on the schedule, UT Martin. Wes, uh, listen, you are as sharp as they get, but you left out the fact that Stetson Bennett, after getting inserted on the Ah. third drive, threw an interception and was persona non grata. Uh, That's true. That's where it all started. Yeah. Um, Man, how how different is it? But I will say this: Palmer and I had a little discussion today. It's gonna it when the game ends. It will be it will have been darker outside. It will have been, been more night in Georgia's win over Tennessee at home than it will be that night. I do believe, um, at least very close to the same thing. It's going to be about as dark as that one was, because uh, you know six o'clock in September. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a daylight kickoff. We're gonna to get to see the Sanford Stadium lights. That's great. We kind of got to see them at Tennessee game last year too. Uh, but you know, six o'clock is you know, listen, that's three, that's two and a half more hours to get lathered up. Um, even yeah. though it won't it won't it won't live up to the to the thing. But ultimately, what it comes down to is the recruiting aspect. It comes to like, all right, listen, this is your opener. You can get some guys in town. They played Friday night ball the week before. Um, you know, they can, they can get in around, you know, noon or one o'clock as opposed to having to try and get in early. Um, I think the bigger deal, um, and I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly here, but the bigger deal is Georgia's not going to be televised in game one. Uh, you're going to have to catch it on ESPN plus or, or uh, SEC plus, which kind of sucks. Yeah, that's a bummer for sure. Uh, but the lather up aspect now with the dogs coming back, They've got the back-to-back national championship glow coming in. And you see Jamon Dumas-Johnson's tweet here on the screen for our video viewers, night game 2023. I think that encapsulates the buzz that a lot of Georgia fans have for this. It's one of those things that's in the background. It's hard to imagine that Georgia fans could really want much else after the last two seasons and all that hardware coming home to Athens. But this is one of those things, uh, hey, 
some bulldog beggars out there want to be choosers, and I don't blame them. Sanford Stadium is more fun at night, especially when you are winning. There have been some tough night games between the hedges when Georgia wasn't that good. Georgia was uh, just kind of scraping by some of these games, and I don't think that would be the case against UT Martin. Uh, but it is. It's, it's an interesting dynamic when you have a fan base that really is riding high, uh, higher than anyone else in college football, but they still are a little upset that they haven't had a night game. Now, there's also the contingent of the Georgia fans out there that are going to say, okay, it's UT Martin. Why can't we get, you know, Ole Miss at home at night? When's that going to happen? You know, when are we going to play Mizzou? When are we going to return the favor? Give them a night game atmosphere. Well, and I think that they've got CBS to thank for that and the SEC's current contract. Um, To Matthew C., ESPN does this to every SEC team. Every SEC team plays one game on ESPN Plus, uh, SEC Network Plus every year. So they would do it to Bama too. Um, You know, here's one thing that I do think helps with UT Martin being the one that that gets the night game draw. Um, To me, I think it's better than Ball State because you've got the energy that is the first game of the year. Um, You know, if – I mean, obviously, every Saturday has has some energy to it, but I think that first one, first time out on the field with a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new look team coming off of two straight national championships, um, you know, I, I think that's that that creates some energy already, and then you add a night game to that, uh, it, it creates even more buzz. Yeah. What else could you want? Think about what Athens will look like that day uh, as Carson Beck is throwing passes down there, warming up. You've got some light show going on before the game. I don't think anyone will care at that point that it's only UT Martin. I think people will be pretty electric. The atmosphere will be fired up, and uh, it's going to be a fun night in Athens. Now, here's the other thing, and – Again, to Matthew saying not for an opener, not for the first game. Georgia's playing an FCS opponent. That's the biggest difference is those FCS games are typically the ones that go to uh, ESPN Plus. And, and Georgia just happens to play that in its first game of the year. Um, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Charleston Southern game a couple years ago, um, you know, 2021 season, senior day, Georgia was going for, you know, uh, was – had a perfect season going, number one team in the country. That was on ESPN+. Plus. Um, That's I when Jordan Davis scored a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember which one it was last year. Um, quite frankly, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who Georgia played in the non-conference other than Oregon and um, – uh, Georgia Tech. Kent State, I think, was the one that was on ESPN+. Plus. And, and Ooh, that yeah, was that probably, one's forgettable. Uh, that was probably for the better. Uh, wrote, who, was other, uh, who was the other non-conference team that they played? Kent State, Georgia Tech, Oregon, Sanford, 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 Sanford might have been the might have been that game because yeah that that, that might have been it and they're an FCS opponent. Yeah, and that was a, that was you know low key a stinker as well. That one wasn't very entertaining either. No, the, I mean it's cool to go ahead and get the night game out of the way. I mean, I the fact that it's it is what it is for an opener. You're right, FCS it, just, it still sucks. I mean, it's still you know I, I'm not going to claim foul or anything like that. It is what it is. But um, I think this season really comes down to 
uh, something kind of Wes hit on earlier was can they get you know can they get an Ole Miss night game? You know, can, is that possible? I don't know what the schedule looks like that day, but that would be a fun night game, man. That yeah. would be a very fun night game. Um, I don't necessarily know that Missouri would be. Um, I've got I've got visions of the last time Georgia played Missouri at night, and uh, it was very boring. It was a nine six game. Nine to six. Uh, Kenneth Towns MVP of that game uh, for uh, tackling the. the uh, in in Athens, you're saying? Yeah, no, I'm saying that the last time Georgia played Missouri at night in Athens, yeah. Uh, the 2019. There was a was there was a night. Game. Yeah, you're right. That was that wasn't in there. Yeah. That one was actually very entertaining. But uh, Pickens, George Pickens had a huge game, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, Georgia Missouri low key play a lot at night. Um, yeah. they've played a couple times there at night, and I think they've played three times in Athens at night. Because if I'm not mistaken, maybe the 2017 game was also there. At night, because uh, Drew Locke threw a couple long touchdowns. Miko Hardman yeah. had a couple touchdowns. So you're um, wrong. So, Jake. You're just wrong. Well, I, <laughs> that's the last one. I the one I remember most was so, that nine to six game uh, yeah. where uh, Kenneth Towns had to tackle a dude on the opening drive after an interception, and that basically saved the ball game. Um, Georgia, the SEC schedule on that Saturday that Georgia and Ole Miss play. Uh, you know, you, you tell me if, if one of these stands out as a 3.30 CBS game. Auburn at Arkansas. Yes. Alabama at Kentucky. Florida at LSU. Tennessee at Missouri. Vanderbilt at South Carolina. Mississippi State at – I bet they'll Texas. take Florida LSU because it's CBS's last season yeah. doing the SEC. And I almost wonder if they're going to do a – a farewell tour with some of these rivalry games. It, it, but it really just depends on how good, you know, how good Florida is. I mean, if, if yeah. Florida can be just a little bit surprising and an LSU can get out of the gate, then I think there's a chance for sure. One that intrigues me there is that Alabama Kentucky game because I mean, it, it yeah. does not feel like Alabama goes, first of all, Alabama doesn't play Kentucky that often. Got the Bear Bryant been, connection. Uh, yeah. I mean, to go to Kentucky, adds another factor to that but i don't know georgia Ole miss and georgia is is an enticing one for that as well uh, they, but they can play what five games on cbs yeah and i don't think georgia's schedule is going to get them five this year no absolutely Ooh, you, not you don't uh not Tennessee, on cbs florida I mean, I mean, they've already got South, South Carolina, Carolina Florida, Florida, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, but I, th- I don't think I, I don't, and, and I may be wrong on this, but but I didn't see this tag to it. I think you, I don't think it's the three thirty slot. I think it's the SEC game of the week, and I don't think that CBS gets an SEC game of the week in week three. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I think they're playing them at three thirty, but I don't think the SEC game of the week starts until like later. I'm, I'm, I'm not hundred sure. percent. But I, I didn't see that. I didn't see it tagged that way. I saw the Georgia Florida game was tagged that way. Yeah, but I don't know. You, you, you the might be right there. But but I mean, if if you're say you do count that one, and and you've got Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, Auburn tends to be in that three thirty slot. You know, Ole Miss could be there. Um, I don't know. They I think they could get five. Plus, it's the, the two time defending national champions. I feel like CBS is going to try to get them on there as much as possible. Bro, you mentioned earlier um, about the recruiting aspect of this, and I, I don't know if I'm making this up or not. I seem to remember someone either speculating or Kirby Smart actually saying 
that he likes the noon games. Am I making that up? I, no, I think he's. Ta- I think he talked about what he what he likes about the noon games, and that's the fact that they can get out of there, and you know, um, you know, they can get out of there and kind of get started on the next week. You know, have a chance to spend some time with family and maybe get a head start that next day on the other team. I don't think he's talked about. I, I, and I also think he's he has. You know, Kirby Kirby's got this thing about kind of like trying to not come across as a whiner. Um, which I think a lot of I think a lot of coaches would. Mm, yeah, you know, I wonder. Uh, speaking of Mizzou, yeah. Uh, well, I think some of what he said was maybe taken out of context. I agree. Bit, Eli, we'll, but, get, we'll get to that, but but um, you know, I, so I think you know he has talked about you know for the official visitors, it's a good thing because you know you get out of there, you get to spend the evening. If you've got some official visitors in town, you get to hang out with those guys and and maybe get more quality time with them than you normally would. Um, and, and there's some other benefits to it as well. But I also seem to remember, seem to recall him bringing up the fact that, yeah, it's a little easier sometimes to get guys on the campus and to have a bigger group if you're dealing with, um, you know, if you've got a later kickoff. And if you're talking about, you know, UT Martin and, and the season opener, um, yeah, you're probably, you probably are dealing with that type of situation. You don't, probably don't have any official visitors in town. And you're not really worried about getting a head start on. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is getting a head start on Ball State. So, um, yeah, I, I can see. I can see them being pretty elated with a with a later kickoff there, open weekend. Um, you know, because there's there really is there aren't really other any other big time games in town. Um, you know, or or you know, close by that Georgia has to compete with. Not a ton of them. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be a bad time to get be able to get some guys on campus to start the season and capitalize on some of that energy. I just asked this in the comments section before we uh, move on. What's the best night game you ever attended at Sanford Stadium? A lot to pick from. I don't know if it's the best, but one of the most memorable moments was uh, when Bakari Rambo got knocked out against Auburn and the whole – stadium was just chanting rambo 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 i think that was 2009 that was the first one that came to mind for me the blackout game was was obviously awesome wrapped up at night too notre but, dame. Uh, yep. yeah I, I would say yeah the notre dame one's a big one the blackout game is a big one the mississippi state game uh flea flicker on the first play yep uh, is another big one that rambo one though definitely sticks out i think that was the first game i ever went to with my wife we were dating at the time, and uh, she fell asleep in the second quarter. So, uh, and uh, and my my buddy uh, my buddy Dale uh, Dale Spivey, um, who I was just talking to earlier today about our YouTube channel. Uh, he, he's got a twin. Get in brother here, named, Dale. Dale's got a, a twin brother named Kale. By the way, Dale and Kale Spivey. You're kidding uh, you wanna, me. Yeah, you want to throw that in Coffee Town? Feel yeah. free. Um, but uh, Dale uh, actually walked into um, that game with a red Powerade squirt bottle about yay high about a foot tall um in his back pocket and it was full of crown and nobody said a word to him and that dude's in the third quarter just spraying crown straight into his mouth it was pretty incredible oh it was like uh, it was a squirt top yeah it was one yeah it was one of those uh my gosh and i think he took most of the thing down dale's a big old boy uh, is this the uh, Go UG guy you've talked no, about? No, that's that's uh, that's my man Giles Garrison. That's Hurricane Giles. <laughs> Hurricane Giles, baby. Uh, let's get to these these spring meetings. Kirby Smart speaking, and uh, like you said, Jake, he doesn't want to whine. He just wants to get in, get out. 
not wasting too much time on the beach. He's just saying what he needs to say. And today, uh, someone asked him about Bama. I don't know why it's still coming up. I guess it's always going to come up. But Kirby's answer, I'll admit I haven't listened to it audibly. I'm just reading the quotes, so y'all can fill me in on what his body language was like. But he said, uh, compare Georgia to Alabama. He said, I don't hear that a lot. And, se and second, I don't measure our program based on their program. We measure our program on doing the best we can do, and that's doing the best job we can each and every year. Our success is based on how we work out, how we perform, how we run, how we turn over the ball, how we convert third downs. It's really that simple. It's not based on another program. I've got a lot of respect for Alabama and everything they've done, but it doesn't have anything to do with us. The focus for us has to be on us. So, yeah, like the most cookie-cutter, Kirby-smart quote you could ever imagine. Um, but when I read that, even just reading between the lines – I just see a guy that's like, why are y'all still asking me this, man? We've won two national championships. We beat Bama in one of them. Is it not clear to you by now that I'm not really looking over the fence at what Nick Saban has to do and, and how he runs things? We're doing things how we want to do them here, and I think they're working out pretty well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I don't think – you said cookie cutter, and I agree it is. Man, I, I honestly think that this is just kind of how Kirby Smart works. I think that's how his brain works. I think that's part of being – listen, I, I hope we run our website the same way. Uh, and I know that sounds super corny, um, but I've got all the respect in the world for, for Roddy Nabolsi and Dean Leggy and uh and uh mike griffith and chip towers and everybody else who's on this beat i don't care what they do you know it's just what we do you know let's let's just do what we do the best we can do it because what else matters i mean it doesn't I, if i know what you're doing it doesn't make me do what i'm doing any better so then i'm you know it's in fact it probably has the other result so i think that's i really just think that's the way kirby's wired and i think honestly that's the way you've got to be wired um, to to beat Nick Saban, to, to get there. Because uh, I remember a few years ago, they were talking about Matt Landers, right? And I know, listen, Matt Landers is, you know, he's a joke for Georgia fans. I get it, whatever. But Matt Landers struggled, okay? He struggled at Georgia big time. And a lot of fans had this thing that he was loafing and he didn't care or he just, you know, wasn't whatever. And I think a lot of times Matt Landers just, there was kind of a focus problem with him is he would try to turn around and look for the ball and, and you know, maybe he had a hard time running full speed and, and opening his eyes at the same time. I don't really know. But he had an instance where he kind of ran uh, near a ball that landed and he didn't turn around until way too late. And Kirby basically brought up in the press conference that they had been coaching him up to kind of just dig and look late for the ball. And I think that's what, you know, we would all do well to do is just to dig and run as hard as we possibly can and not really – you know, turn around and see what's back there. Um, and, I, and I really just think that's the way he's he's wired. I'm sure he's maybe tired of answering that question. I think probably he gets perturbed by that question simply because it makes him think about something other than 
um, what they can do to get better. And I think that's really all he wants to think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree that he probably doesn't care because, you know, and I wrote a story on it, but and added a little bit of a um, little bit of opinion, I guess, and is that Georgia has doesn't have Alabama on its schedule this year. And there's no reason to worry about what Alabama is doing on a daily basis. Um, you, you control what you can control. Uh, you, I mean, you, you take care of your own business and if your, you know, business crosses paths with their business, then so be it. And that's when you worry about what they're doing and, and, you know, what they've got going on, you know, across a state line. But I, I mean, I, I think in the world of recruiting, obviously, um, you know, people cross paths a lot more, um, and and obviously Georgia and Alabama being the two two of the top programs in the sport cross paths, um, but I think that that Kirby obviously has a lot of respect for Nick Saban. Um, you know, he in another answer he was talking about um, you know George, the uh, SEC and and the scheduling and was saying you know I don't really know why people get all work, worked up about who they're going to play because if you look over the course of the last. 10, 20, 30 years, it's pretty cyclical with the exception of what Nick is doing. So obviously he has a ton of respect for Nick Saban. It's not a disrespect thing of, oh, we're not concerned about them at all. I, I just think that he knows that they might cross paths, they might not. And unless they're going to cross paths, he doesn't need to you know, concern himself over Alabama and, and comparing uh, Georgia to Alabama. Speaking of Saban and all this and all the scheduling, I, I did find it interesting that Saban is kind of, uh, at least from the outside looking in, seems like he's kind of been leading the charge in this anti-nine-game SEC scheduling deal. And Jake Rowe and I spoke about this uh, earlier this week for On Three's YouTube channel about the Auburn game specifically. But the other nugget out of that is that Georgia is okay with playing nine-game SEC schedule, and uh, I don't know. I guess Saban really will go down until the very end, letting his voice be heard about this job and about the way it should look and about the way that Alabama's schedule should look. And uh, if anyone thinks he's close to retiring, and I think he is, probably within the next two to three years, um, he's proven me wrong before uh, on that before, but – uh, he's he's not going to quit, man. He's going to let you know, I don't want to play nine games. I want to play eight. On the flip side of that, Kirby's like, hey, however many teams you want us to play, let's do it. I would just love to get them in a moment of candor, like to to really know exactly how they feel because I do think that, um, you know, on top of this whole hyper-focus, how can we get better, how can we do it better, all of that stuff, I do think there's also a constant what can I do to give my program a leg up in these situations. And uh, um, I don't I don't always think it's genuine. I don't always think it's real. And that's not me cracking on Nick Saban right here. I, I'm not faulting him one bit. But is there a bigger game at play here for him? Um, you know, is there a bigger game at play for Kirby blowing it off, right? Everybody's got a purpose for the way they do it. And I just don't necessarily know. Um, you know, I'll give Eli Drinkowitz 
uh, a little bit of a cre- little bit of credit here. When he talks, I get the feeling that he's actually sharing exactly how he feels because sometimes I hate hearing it. Like I absolutely <laughs> despise hearing it. So, um, you know, and so he, he ruffles feathers with the way he talks a little bit. And I think there's an end game for Kirby, for Nick Saban, because they've shown us many, many times before they, they're sorry. I had a little, little gnat flying around here. Uh, they've shown us many, many times before I that you're doing that for emphasis. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, not, they've shown us so many times they'll do whatever it takes to get their program an edge. Uh, uh you know, it, and most of the time, uh, the vast majority of the time, uh, this side of the, you know, the good side of the ethical line. So, the game within the game. Well, let's talk about Drinkwitz, man. I mean, he got on Feinbaum today and was a little defensive about it. And I didn't think he needed to even do it. I didn't think he needed to be defensive about anything that he said um, because he was, he's not wrong to bring up the fact that his brother in law, the pediatrician, I mean, that, that's what I love about the SEC, though, is that you're going to have these memes even out of the driest press availabilities you can think of at SEC Media Days, and now we got one. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz's brother-in-law, who's a pediatrician, doesn't make as much money as some of his players do through NIL. Okay. I, I swear to God, every time you say his brother-in-law, who's a pediatrician, yeah, it's just it's, it's the repetitive stuff. Like Marcelo Zuna from the Braves. Yeah, yeah, right. My my sister in law is a pediatrician, uh, so um, my brother in law is a primary care physician, so or an internist, one or the other. I hope I didn't get that wrong, but I mean, I, I look at the full context of what he said, and it wasn't that bad. Um, I don't think Ross Dillinger, who put that out. I mean, listen, we had Ross on Bark After Dark. I believe today's Ross's birthday as well. Happy birthday, Ross! I hope you're watching. You're probably not. I wouldn't if I were you. Um, but, but he uh, he's probably having a drink in Destin right now. I hope so. Um, maybe at Beauchamp's, but he's a, uh, he's a good reporter and I don't think he was trying to get everybody fired up. I think it was more of just kind of like, you know, kind of that stream of consciousness, consciousness type stuff. Um, but ultimately he's not wrong. Uh, you know, I, I'm all for these guys getting whatever bag somebody will pay them. That's the American dream, right? I mean, do something well enough that somebody will pay you, even if they overpay you for it. Uh, everywhere I've ever worked in this business has overpaid me, uh, because they've paid me at all. Um, so that's just kind of the way that works. And, and, you know, so if you can get somebody to give you a bag of cash, uh, for doing something, um, you should. And, but at the end of the day, he's not wrong about the fact that it's out of control and it's really weird and there's market corrections. And, and honestly, I think, you know, I heard a story the other day and I don't really want to get into the nuts and bolts. I think I'd probably give it away. But I heard a story the other day where uh, basically a school, a coaching staff, is they they lost out on a kid because the market correction kind of was there was a market correction on how much these guys were going to be able to make, and or how much this kid was going to be able to make, and it kind of flowed through that staff first. They were the ones that kind of almost had to break the news, like, "Hey, you're not going to get this amount of money," and it just rubbed in the wrong way, and they're out. You know, they're, they're done. And so now he's going to go, you know, he's going to be able to deal better with that market correction because he's mad at the messenger um, who, who kind of, you know, pushed it off on him. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's really weird on some of these schools and what they have to deal with. So, um, you know, listen, he makes a lot of money to deal with those problems. I'm not playing a little violin for the man, but I do think his, his, his you know, 
things were caught out, you know, taken out of context, context. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at this point I feel bad for his brother who's a pediatrician. I mean, can you imagine the business, uh, implications of this, of all the, I don't know where his brother works or lives, but if anyone knows, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're a Boone, North Carolina, baby. <laughs> They're gonna be they're gonna be looking at him and they're gonna be saying, "Hey, man, you don't make as much as a college football player." Um, it's not as embarrassing as it probably used to be, or not as outlandish. It's probably it's probably been true for a while. There's uh, eighteen year olds making more than you. You cannot prescribe my child amoxicillin. <laughs> a quick Google um, search pops up his name. I just pulled up. I just pulled up Breaking Tea, and I I accidentally. Just went to their homepage, and look who's right there on the on the front. Is it me? No. Oh shit! Is it's it Barrett? Barrett Salee. <laughs> Barrett Salee is just chilling right there. Yeah. Um, and some Braves gear. Oh, oh. Let's get to uh, that's Taker's music. <laughs> hey, at least they didn't get swept by the A's. Um, I was just looking in the queue over here and who just arrived. So that's Taker's music. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear Mountain Jake. Oh. Pop in <laughs> oh my God. What happened to your hair, man? This is like a Samson and Delilah thing. I hope our yeah, show doesn't yeah. tank now. I, is there a mullet back there? No, I got it. Well, it's a little, I still got a little bit of party in the back. I got to remind me of the John Clayton. This is sports center. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rest in Done peace. with my segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as we welcome Jake Roos in, we also welcome the elite lineup of Breaking Tea Apparel. And I'm still checking. I'm checking. I'm refreshing. And look what's back in stock. Oh, never mind. Stetson's still sold out. But Brock Bowers is still in. And these uh, national championship T-shirts, hoodies, all that stuff. You need a new Georgia T-shirt this summer. You've ruined the armpits mowing the lawn of your favorite Georgia shirt. It's embarrassing. Get a better one from Breaking Tea. There's a link in every episode show description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple or Spotify podcast. Uh, Jake Roos, just in time. You, you have this down to a science, man. Like You know, you know better than I do how this show is going to time out. He say? must be watching from behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. I don't see him back there. Um, our guy Rusty Manzel is in Nashville for the Elite NIL. Am I saying that right? The NIL Andre Elite Series. NIL Elite Series. Brought to you by Mizuno. Brought to you by Mizuno. No swag. We need some of those Mizuno bucks. <laughs> we need we need some swag, is what we need. In our show. <laughs> Yeah, if Jake's, um, Jake's going to go play golf so that he can bring on commitments, he needs some Mizuno gear. I, oh, my God. Palmer. Palmer, are you just, like, revealing our show strategy? <laughs> no. I mean, I listen, I got to give Palmer some credit here. Palmer is a serious hype man right now. This is – I mean, I didn't even think of that angle. <laughs> I was playing golf when Georgia got a commitment from Dylan Riola. I mean, listen – I'm gonna. We need to put my Venmo down here, okay? I promise I'll only use it for golf stuff. And you know, if you guys want commitments, you do with it what you will. I'm not gonna ask. 
Yeah, I get, listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen this weekend. I haven't heard any buzz about it, but I'm on vacation this weekend and you're on vacation this weekend. So it's it's probably boding pretty well, I would say. Dang. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. Going to have to be on the, the ones and twos here. Um, Rusty caught up with a few recruits. He spoke with Ryan Wingo. He spoke with uh, Ryan Puglisi. And he just did a simple little, little exercise. He just asked them to say, Kirby Smart is. And these videos that I'm having a hard time pulling up are on our uh, YouTube uh, Reels shorts and our Instagram Reels section. So you can hear it for yourself. But uh, Ryan Wingo, when he was asked, he said that Kirby Smart is the hardworkingest coach that he's ever met. Uh, and Ryan Puglisi said the best college football coach in the country. It's pretty good. Pretty good uh, connection there. If we went around the, if we went around the horn here, <clears throat> I know we just spent the whole last segment talking about Kirby Smart. But if y'all thought about Kirby Smart in the context of recruiting or what he's accomplished, what he's done, what would y'all say to the, the, the prompt Kirby Smart is. I, Brooks, we're I, not getting Livy done on the show unless Palmer works <laughs> magic. I don't know. Uh, Kirby Smart is a madman. That's what I would say. I, he is Kirby he smart madman. He is he is a crazy person. I mean, he is. I don't know. How, I don't know how the guy does it. I really don't. Um, I don't know how anybody in his position does it. To be honest with you, and I'm talking about down to you know triple or uh, down to D three ball. I mean, it, it's it's a tough. It's a tough lifestyle that these guys live. I don't know how anybody does it at the level that Kirby Smart does it, though, which is just maniacal in recruiting, involved in every single aspect of everything. There's just no hands off to the guy. And I think that that is why I have to say he's a madman because I, I ain't cut from that cloth, brother. No. I mean, uh, along those same lines, I'll say Kirby Smart is a creator of culture. And, and that's with his players and his coaches and everybody that's involved in the organization. I mean, I think that you just, you know, go, I mean, I'm, I'm, as I look across the room, I see my credential from the NFL combine and, you know, hearing from those guys that went, you know, went pro this past year, there is a very common theme of, of culture and connection and, um, you know, if you look at the coaches and we always hear, well, it might be hard to coach under Nick Saban or coach, you know, work for Kirby Smart or whatever. In order to do that, he's got to have a buy in uh, that he's created and a culture of hard work that he's created to, you know, build those recruiting classes to be a, bat, a madman uh, on the recruiting trail. So I'll say he's a uh, creator of culture. I'm going to say um, Kirby Smart is the most paranoid man this side of Professor John Nash. A beautiful mind. looking out the blinds of the Buttsmere building. Yeah, that is one paranoid man. Uh, but it works. Um, you know, I mean, I, he's awesome. I mean, he's a great coach. And uh, he's he, listen, he doesn't make it easy to cover his football team. I can tell you that. Um, it's, there's nothing easy about that. And he does an incredible job, uh, and that paranoia pays off, uh, somehow, some way. Um, you know, I mean, I, 
they let us watch a few practices this spring. I don't, you know, and, and I watched their chances of a three-peat dwindle uh, because of it, I guess. But um, no, I mean, uh, listen, I, th- that th- it, it bothers me a little and then it doesn't, you know I mean? Like we get to see the team a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad we don't get to watch him every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday all season long, like we did in 2016 and 2017. Um, because ultimately, uh, I like to be able to, you know, get home and do whatever I've got to do. But, um, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a paranoid dude. He's worried about losing that edge. I think, you know, it, it's almost like that whole adage that, you know, you got to hate losing more than you hate winning or and more than you love winning. Um, I think, you know, Kirby is much more worried about losing that edge than maybe he is even gaining that edge. He doesn't want to lose any of the edge he's gotten. He, uh, he would rather, you know, if he had to pick staying where he's at or, or getting more, I think he would, he would probably pick staying where he's, you know, at and risk, you know, not losing any more than where he's at because that's where that paranoia, paranoia comes from. And, uh, but he's, he's definitely got plenty of that. I'll say Kirby Smart is flexible. And look, you look at that guy on the screen right there. I, I'm not talking about him doing yoga. I'm just talking about. Although we have seen that before. Did he actually do yoga, or did he just? Yeah, he. Yeah, he was there doing yoga during the. He actually did it. Yeah. Man, he did. He did that. Not 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 the entire thing, and uh, maybe he was just doing it for when the media was in there. But um, yeah, he did. He did a little bit. Well, I just mean Uh, he's. Everybody He's was nimble. just doing yoga while the media was there. That was that was the old that was the whole point. That was the only time anyone was doing yoga was when the media was watching. Yeah, I remember that day. Very My man difficult. Kirby was out there just wallowing around. Okay? He was just he was, he was rude, rude. He was bear cub. Yeah, he, he was bear cubbing out there. Yeah, I believe I the pose in yoga is called happy baby. You just roll around on the ground. Um. But he's nimble, man. He's uh, he he is taking the lemons of uh, everything we've talked about on the show, really, of college football, of the NIL deal that people hate, and uh, the crazy aspects of the game. And he's not complaining about it. I don't think he's necessarily happy about all of it, but he knows that he has to maintain that edge, and that's important because uh, look what's coming down the pipes. In the sport, you've just got more changes year in and year out. And compared to last summer, this summer feels pretty tame. You know, we don't we don't have all this ruckus, at least in the SEC, about uh, the conference expansion, about Jimbo and Nick Saban going at each other's throats. You know, it's a pretty calm summer. Maybe it's this calm before the storm, before Texas and Oklahoma show up. But as long as Kirby can maintain that edge – and can maintain that ability to be nimble, I think that bodes well for Georgia as the sport just continues uh, to grow and change. You've already seen that he can roll with the punches, and, and that's, uh, that's a big deal. Um, Dylan Brooks asking some uh, gastronomical – is it gastronomical? Yes. Well, that's food-related. Is the gut a product of food or beer? I think I don't know if you're asking for Kirby or just just in general or us. Or, I mean, mine. I can tell you where mine comes from, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that he's microwave a, that microwave behind you. Yes, no question. Uh, it's more like the refrigerator. The refrigerator. Yeah. 
Um, no, no listen, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not going to speculate about Kirby putting on a few pounds, man. It's sure. it's a stressful job, you know. Jesus, stressful yeah, job. I mean, I'd I'd be out there burning heaters left and right like it was the 1960s, <laughs> dude. I mean, I would be I'd be smoking on the sidelines if I had that kind of stress on on me, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he's not. I, I do encourage people to get over there and read all the stuff that we've had come out of this uh, Elite NIL series. It's uh, it's it's been incredible. Um, Rusty's gotten us some great stuff. Um, five-star updates all over the place. Guys who are looking heavily at Georgia. Um, just get in there and, and, and check it out because uh, it's some great exclusive stuff ahead of this OV season. And um, I, like I said, I, I think it's just a really neat thing that they did. I think it's a cool uh, I think it was a cool concept, and I, I think that they pulled it off well. I, if I know Shannon Terry, I think it's probably done up to the nines. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, Kirk Herbstreet uh, was one of the keynote speakers, and uh, he told J.D. Piquel that the culmination of the last two years for Georgia is just a reality when you win that many championships back-to-back, and Kirby's got to find a way to reload the roster to maintain the edge. Well, I think think they're doing that, man. I think they're more than doing that when you look at Georgia's 2024 class specifically. All right, let's chop some wood. It is a chopping wood Wednesday. I will hand the axe to Mountain Jake to start. All right, I'm chopping wood on the first big official visit weekend of the summer. Um, they already had one official visit weekend, which was, um, what was that, two weeks ago, I guess. But um, this one is loaded from top to bottom. And so Georgia has a real chance i i know i've said this repeatedly and but i seriously believe it georgia has a chance to set the bar uh for how these guys view their visits coming up and uh you heard that from guys who took those official visits um a couple weeks ago casey poe in particular said that georgia had set a really high bar um for the remaining um visits that he had lined up so um just some absolutely huge names uh, uh coming into town uh, Justin Scott, uh, Williams and Larry, uh, Dylan Stewart coming to town, um, Ryan Wingo, Jared Gibson. You got them all up here. Peyton Woodyard. Uh, you know, they've got a great contingent of their commits coming too, which is nice. And that's always very helpful uh, as well. But listen, there's some dudes they need. Justin Green right there, buddy. That's about as big of a name, I think, as there is coming to campus this summer because that is not a deep class uh, at that position. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're in a, they're in a dog fight for, for him. And, uh, he's an outstanding player. Uh, Jordan Ross will be here in a couple of weeks. Another one of those edge guys, but you need a couple of those guys in this class, not feeling great about where things stand with Edric Houston. So this Justin Green visit really, really huge this weekend. And, um, I'm looking forward to see if Georgia can deliver on it. But like I said, if for Kirby and those guys, it's an opportunity to set the bar and make sure that these kids know that uh, Georgia is different 
Uh, and I make sure to ask kids that question every time I talk to them. What makes Georgia different? Georgia works to differentiate itself in a multitude of ways, but uh, these official visits kind of really hammer those opportunities home. So stay tuned to Dogs HQ. I'll be back on the radar probably like Sunday evening-ish. Uh, but Rusty and Palmer and Wes will have you held down with all that. Um, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy weekend for sure. So uh, here's to uh, diving back in with the heavy OVs. Shout out to my uh, one of my high school football coaches, Todd Welburn, at uh, Mountain View, where Justin Green plays. Mountain View, one of those upstart schools in Gwinnett. You got to kind of find your players. You got to pull them together before they really start matriculating in there. It's hard to do, even in Gwinnett County. And Mountain View, kind of an afterthought for a long time. And now you got talent like Justin Green coming out. That's pretty special for them. Um, I will chop wood um, about Nolan Smith, man. He's been making the rounds with some Philadelphia media. Uh, he was on the Green Light, I believe it's Green Light yep. show with uh, which Long brother Chris is that? Long. Chris Long. Chris Long. Um, Kyle Long is always in my Twitter timeline. As Ryan Rosillo calls him, Tallahassee Thor. <laughs> that's not, that, that is not an inaccurate statement. Um, but uh, Nolan, Nolan Smith on with, with uh, Chris Long on, on the Green Light Show. And y'all definitely need to check that out. I'm not going to play it on this show. Um, we got some advertising sponsorship that uh, YouTube doesn't like it if there's a lot of foul language. But <laughs> Nolan Smith is a dog. That's all I'll say. He's talking about, you know, one of the clips going around about how he can't wait to play in the cold weather because he doesn't care how cold it is and he's ready to mess up some players that are from warmer parts of the country that are thinking about how cold it is. The Eagles got a really, really – good football player and uh, a really, really sharp dude as well. And the other clip going around that really started this whole Nolan Smith renaissance for me this week, there was a behind-the-scenes clip from when he got drafted and got the phone call from Sirianni, and he said, Coach, give me the playbook. I want the playbook right now. I want to show you why you picked me. And uh, I don't know, some stuff coming out on Nolan Smith after the fact, and now that he's in Philly – I'm not even an Eagles fan, despite what my Philadelphia Bulldogs shirt will say when I get it. And I'm excited to see Nolan Smith play for the Eagles. Yeah, Palmer hounded me to get his. He's not yeah. even wearing it. What a loser. Palmer, it's, what are you wearing under that quarter zip there, man? Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a shirt from the concert I went to on Sunday. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Old tie-dye Tom. Palmer's your analysis here. came back, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> dirty. dirty. Uh, so I will – I will chop wood uh, since I missed the show on Sunday at another show. Um, I'll chop wood about the Georgia baseball uh, opening that's out there. Um, don't know if y'all discussed it, um, but I do. A little bit. I, 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 it here's didn't what feel I'll right without you, though. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't. Um, here's what I'll say about it is Georgia is going to be an attractive job. Um, you know, being in the SEC adds to that. Uh, being in, uh, a, you know, just like it is for football and basketball, maybe even more so, um, baseball in the Peach State is important. And, you know, I, I talked to a former player, 
Um, I'll have that story out tomorrow. Um, so come check it out. Um, he's from coming Georgia. Um, and I think that's where he's from. He's from the Atlanta area. Let's put it that way. And, um, he, you know, made the point. He said, look, I think you could create a team of just Georgia players and really compete in the sec because you look around the sec and a lot of the guys that are competing and, and excelling for other programs are from Georgia. So, um, you know, that, that's something that makes this uh, Georgia opening attractive. Um, you know, I think that it's going to take somebody uh, that is eager to get out there and recruit um, excited about the opportunity. Um, and I think that Georgia is showing, uh, you know, now more than they have in the past, an investment in baseball uh, and investment in some of those other sports besides football. Um, you know, they, they, they're showing that. And, and I think that'll be attractive to a coach. So, um, you know, did a little bit of flight tracking. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation yep. that's involved with that and who's on those specific flights. But um, come on over to our board. We're, we're discussed in Georgia baseball. And, um, you know, like I said, We'll have a story out uh, for our subscribers tomorrow, uh, talking to a former player about uh, what he wants to see in this uh, head coaching hire. What's a na- name like? Say there's a coaching candidate out there, Palmer, that maybe people aren't thinking about or aren't talking about too much. That that may be a surprising name on the list of candidates that you think would either be a good fit or you think is actually. Uh, a candidate for the job. Mm. One that I think hasn't been discussed as much. Um, and, and it's one that I did include on our hot board is Rob Vaughn um, from Maryland. Um, you know, saw on our board, people were saying that he's been linked to the uh, Missouri opening. Um, so obviously there's an interest uh, to get to the sec, but he was named big 10 coach of the year last year. Um, not sure if he was in, in 2023, um, but you know, Maryland made the NCAA tournament, uh, last year they hosted an NCAA tournament regional first time that they've done that. Uh, he's been a part of the three or four winningest teams, four winningest teams now, um, all have 40 or more wins, um, in, in Maryland history. So I, I, he's somebody that is attractive to me as a, as a head coach, because I think that he, um, you know, is, is an eager recruiter and he's, done it at a uh, you know public school where there's not necessarily um, you know some of the same advantages that you might have at a private school with as as it pertains to scholarships of sorts and um, you know the ability to, to provide some financial aid uh, that you may not be able to do at a, at a state school um, or, or you know find your ways around that as easily so he's somebody that's that's certainly on uh, you know my short list if I was making this higher. Um, I am not making this hire. Break guys. <laughs> Thank you for uh, clarifying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will clarify. <laughs> we are not making this hire. So mm. Rob Vaughn uh, would be somebody on on my short list. And all right, there's there's obviously some others in there as well that have seeming seemingly emerged as uh, strong candidates. Call well, on Washington. Yeah, uh, he's got to stay in Atlanta. Wash. <laughs> um, Rob Vaughn. Um, not to be confused with Ricky or Veronica Vaughn. Oh, uh, Veronica, Veronica Vaughn. Vaughn. A guy, a guy I know him and her got it on. Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't. 
Uh, man, what a what a what a great Adam Sandler movie. Probably the best if you really think about it. Um, uh, I want to uh, first of all, I want to hit up my man Craig Lawson. I think it is up here about Greg Sankey. Um, that listen, uh, I'm not I'm not particularly uh, entertained or enthralled with Greg Sankey. I do think he does a pretty good job. Um, man, you can you can talk to league presidents and ads about all that. He's not the guy just pulling strings. Um, all of that gets voted on. All that gets dealt with. Uh, it's um, And for what we understand at this point, I do believe Greg Sankey wants nine games, uh, nine league games, and he wants to try to figure out a way to work that out. So, um, you know, that would, I think, preserve the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. Uh, but uh, I do believe he wants to keep on, keep those rivalries in place based on what I know. So, um, you know, you can call him what you want to call him, but that's the information I have. I'm going to chop wood on Ryan Puglisi. Um, not only is this guy not not stirred up or not you know shaken by the commitment of Dylan Riola, but he has uh, the the two are joining forces. Um, you could call them Batman and Robin. Mm. Call them uh, Roos and Roe. You can call them whatever. <laughs> you want. Um, it doesn't even matter. Uh, it. Uh, I think it's really cool. I don't ever, I've never in my life, um, in my, in, in my years of covering recruiting or my years following recruiting, have I heard of a story of a quarterback talking about how, hey, I'm going to team up with this other quarterback that the, the team is signing, this guy that I'm going to try to beat Does out. Does that for guy him. look concerned about another quarterback? Nonplussed. That, that guy right there looks like he's going to dip some popcorn into your bucket and send you off to see Super Mario. <laughs> uh, but, you know, whatever. He's, 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 a, he's a kid. He's a 17, 18-year-old. You know, that's how they all look. Um, but, uh, you know, you turn on his film, you see something a lot different. And I think Matt Godwin gave us some really good uh, information on him the other day about how the ball jumps out of his hands. Caleb Williams-esque, apparently. Um, but I mean, I think it's really cool that that he he and uh, he and Dylan Raiola are forming that relationship. And you know, listen, I talked about it. I, I saw uh, Raiola in action. I saw him kind of, you know, in, in a non-jerkish uh, way, ordering guys around and kind of directing traffic during a throwing session. I, I, I was impressed by that. Um, I'm impressed by the way this kid has embraced the idea that he's going to compete against somebody, but before he competes against that guy and probably while he competes with that guy, he forms a relationship and they're going to try to help make their team better, man. If you want to talk about Kirby smart and what he really wants, that team concept is right there, uh, front facing, um, with the two quarterbacks to recruit in this class. And, uh, time will tell whether this thing plays out and, and, and becomes a great thing or not. But um, right now, it's got all the makings of being something pretty awesome. I think not you're seeing 17. that dynamic with Beck and Vandergriff right now, too. I was going to say not all 17-year-olds look like that. Montavious Atkinson did not look like that. At no, Montavious Atkinson <laughs> looked like a 58-year-old smoker. <laughs> he looked like a guy who fixed transmissions. He did. <laughs> that 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 he's he has seen a bad torque converter or two. <laughs> Julian Rochester, not a <laughs> Uncle Julian. <laughs> Wise beyond his years. Uh guys, I appreciate it. Another good one in the books here. Thanks to the Jakes. Thanks to Palmer. Thanks to everyone telling us how to pronounce Dylan Riola's name. Riola. Raiola. I mean, Raiola. Raiola. That's guttural. 
Ryula. Ryula is, uh, I believe, a county in southwest Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> it's an unincorporated township. Yeah. <laughs> it's somewhere, somewhere over near, near Quitman, I believe. <laughs> um, it's where Ozzie Davis is from. <laughs> Dylan Rowla. He's from Cogdale, by the way. Uh, go dogs from Tifton, Georgia, for three and twenty-three from where Randy I was born, Payne. Baby. That's where I was Blue born. Devils. Blue Devils. Randy Payne with the most professional YouTube avatar, I think, of anyone on the whole website. And how in the how in the hell there has never been a Randy Payne professional wrestler? I'll never know. Oh, I love it. <laughs> there should be got Bateman country there. Y'all hit like and subscribe if you're uh, new to this thing. I don't think many of you are in the comments. Maybe some of you viewing the show are. Hit like and subscribe. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, join Bark After Dark Mondays at 9 p.m. Go back and watch the magic that the Jakes and Rusty and Matt Godwin put on the screen on Monday night as Matt Godwin told you everything about what it's like to recruit the elite talent that Georgia has. He no longer works at Georgia. He is uh, working somewhere in the private sector. Where does he work now? Wheels, Wheels up. up. Wheels up, man. Golly. Amazing. Uh, anyway, y'all go watch that show, man. Listen to it. There's some gold in there. There's some gold in them. their podcast episodes, Bark After Dark. And that's uh, Mondays at 9 o'clock. Thanks for watching tonight. Thanks for listening. If you're catching us on a replay, we will see you the next time we're back here on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. See ya. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.